It's all about Jesus. Anything that we do, if it does not encourage your walk with Christ, point others to Christ, then it's not worth doing. Because it's all about Him. And there are times, aren't there, when the only thing we can do, the only thing that's appropriate, is just to say Jesus. You don't have to have any other words, but just say His name. There is power in that name because of who He is and what He's done. Because He died for you and me and rose again, shed His blood to cover our sin. And not only that, but He provided and sent His Holy Spirit to fill us and empower us to live for Him every day. Just speak Jesus. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me in the the New Testament to Mark chapter 4. We're going to be referring to the first 20 verses of Mark chapter 4. I'm going to read the first nine verses. And our focus this morning is on that word grow. We've said that we look and to understand who we are, there are three key words. Connect, grow, and serve. The last two weeks we looked at connect and connection, relationships with Christ, with others, with those we already know and those we should get to know. And today we're going to begin to look at this area of growth. So follow with me if you would in Mark chapter 4. And I'm reading from the English Standard Version. It says, again, he began to teach beside the sea and a very large crowd gathered about him. So he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on the rocky ground where it did not have much soil. And immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose and it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Growth. If you hear the word grow or growth, a lot of different things come to mind. Well, I had a year in my life where one year, one school year, it was my freshman year. I grew six inches in seven months of that nine-month school year. In fact, I grew three inches in six weeks at one point 
The reason I know the timing was my brother got married in early January and I got fitted for a tux to be in the ceremony in the middle of November and between that fitting and the wedding, I grew three inches. As a result, the tux no longer fit. Not realizing that until the day of the wedding. And I put the coat on and the sleeves were way up. And I buttoned it and the button went poom and went flying. So I did what is only logical. I said, Mom! <laughs> and my mom, who was not planning on this day of her oldest son's wedding, sewed the button back on and moved it over slightly on this rented tuxedo. You know, I never did ask my parents if they had to pay for the fact that it had been altered. As a result of that, the tux was too tight. It was warmer that day in that wedding, in that sanctuary, than it is in here this morning. That was part of my plan, so you would get a feel for this. I had the next four months, I grew another three inches. My mom used to say of that year that she would take me shopping to get pants, and by the time we got home, I had outgrown them. Her grocery bill went up considerably during that time period. I mean, there were six more inches to fill. That was my excuse. But whenever I think of growth, I think back to my freshman year. But that's not the growth that's being referred to here, although you can make a connection. And in case you didn't read it and missed the spelling, the word sower in this is S-O-W-E-R, not S-E-W-E-R. So the sower is not someone who was sewing cloth, as my mom had to do on that day. Instead, it was someone sowing seed, a farmer. Now, it wasn't a big tractor. It didn't have a cab. It wasn't air-conditioned. This was with a bag and a hand and throwing it out as you go. That's the image that's given here to make this description. This also, I believe, is the first parable recorded in Scripture of Jesus' teaching. A parable, a story to make a point. And Jesus used a lot of them. This is the first one, I believe, that is recorded of him teaching this principle. Now, verses 1 through 9 is him sharing the principle, the parable, and verses 10 through 20 is him explaining it. So I encourage you to finish reading the rest of the passage later today. But as we take a look at this and try to understand, I want you to catch a couple of things before I get into the full message. One is that the intention of the sower is for the seed to grow and produce. We have some farmers in our congregation. You can ask them. They 
always plant a seed with the intention that that seed will take root, grow, and produce. Otherwise, why waste the time? That's the intention of the sower with the seed. The intention of the seed is to take hold where it is planted or tossed and to grow and produce. That's the whole purpose for the life of a seed. Whether it's something in a field or a flower or a garden, it is to get in the soil, take hold, grow, and produce. Otherwise, why bother? However, in all of those cases, it is greatly dependent upon the reception of the soil. If the soil does not receive the seed that allows it to take root and grow, it can't produce. Now, when we take a look at this, we understand that what's being taught is not somebody planting a field of beans or corn. It is instead the gospel, and it's giving the picture of Christ and then us as his representatives following his example of spreading the word and sharing the gospel so that we become the sowers and the seed is spread for people to grab hold of the gospel and allow it into their life. Jesus said on more than one occasion, follow me. When he said that, that implies on our part movement and action. In other words, if you claim to be following Jesus, but you're not growing, or if you claim to be following Jesus and you're not moving in your faith, if you claim to be following Jesus, but you're not serving, then you're not really following. You're just observing. And you can't grow. But we have been called and literally mandated to grow. Grow in our faith. Grow in our service. Grow in our hope to see others come to faith in Christ and receive that seed. So here's what I want you to do as we begin this morning. There are really four components in this parable. There's the sower, there's the seed, there's the soil, and there's the struggle or opposition. Now I want you to make sure that you pay attention to that and then figure out which of those four are you. Are you the sower? I'll give you a hint. You're not the seed. Are you the soil? Or are you the struggle and opposition to the seed that's being sown? We've been called to grow. And that's why I titled this message, Growth the Uncomfortable Truth. We've been called to do it. 
I was not called to grow three inches between the fitting of the tux and my brother's wedding, but I did it anyway, overachiever. But we have been called to grow in our faith, to grow in following Christ, to grow in serving him and others, to grow in being more Christ-like. Now, if you think through this, this isn't the focus this morning, but think through this, that logically means that if you and I are following Christ and growing in our relationship with him and our call from him, and we're bumping into each other, being in the same place, then that means wherever we're gathered should be growing also. In Acts chapter 1, before Jesus returned to heaven, he told the disciples, you will be my witnesses. He didn't say it's your choice. He said you will. And the implication is that they would spread the seed, share the gospel, and that it would grow. The same expectation is still true today. So where are you? In this parable. Let's look at this. Number one, the sower. The sower is first and foremost Christ. He's the one who came spreading, planting, sowing the gospel. I mean, look at any of the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you see constantly Jesus teaching, sharing about the good news, sharing about himself, sharing about his father, sharing about the hope that comes through the salvation that was coming from Christ. He was the sower, first and foremost. However, if anybody follows Christ, we become sowers. Sharing the good news of the gospel. If we would just let people know in our world today that there is good news, they're going to pay attention. Because I don't know if you've noticed or not, but no matter what version of news reports you listen to or watch or read, they're sharing an awful lot of stuff that's anything but good news. In fact, I know some of you have told me that you've kind of quit paying attention to the news because it's all bad. Well, here's the fact. It's not all bad. It just seems like only the bad gets shared. But we've been called to share, to spread the good news. And if we would do nothing else but let people know there is good news for them we could see revival take place on that alone. Because people are desperate for some good news. Which also tells me, and this hit me hard this week in studying, that I'm not sharing the good news enough. Because there aren't enough people recognizing that there even is good news. Jeff Stark, who spoke a year ago here, has written a book called The News is Good. And he talks about people who are sharing the good news and says we need to become good newsers. 
He needs to make t-shirts that say that. Only we need to not just wear it, we need to do it to become good newsers. Now, that's not ignoring struggle. That's not ignoring reality. That's not ignoring pain and hurt. It's recognizing instead that there is an antidote to the pain. It's called Jesus Christ. That there's an answer to the struggle in Jesus Christ. That there is a solution. That we don't just have to settle for what's being crammed down our throats. So let me ask you, in your world, when this story is told, are there two sowers or just one? We know Jesus is sowing the seed, presenting, sharing, working through his Holy Spirit. But the question is, are you and am I? Are we also sowers? I'm not talking about standing on a street corner and preaching. If God calls you to do that, God bless you and do it. Probably need a permit, but, you know, that's our culture. But to live it out and to have the courage to speak it out. We just sang, I speak Jesus. Do we? Other than swearing, how often is his name spoken? The sower. Secondly is the seed. Now, I already warned you and tipped you off that you're not the seed, but let's understand what the seed is. The seed is first and foremost the word of God. It is the Bible. The great news for us is we have the Bible. At the time Jesus shared this parable, they didn't have all of this. We do. We need to be in it, reading it. And more importantly, we need to allow it to be in us and living it. Not just to know it so that we can do well at Bible trivia. But to know it so that we live it. So we show it. As you've heard me say a hundred times. Now here's 101. When my kids were younger still living at home. They had responsibilities. And sometimes they didn't do them in what I thought was a timely manner. Am I the only one that had a kid that didn't always do what they were supposed to do in a timely manner? And there were times when I reminded them. They would tell you a lot. I don't think so. And quite often, if they hadn't done it, and I reminded them that they were supposed to do it, I got this answer. I know. Well, I got tired of hearing that answer, so I came up with an answer to that. You know it, right? Don't tell me you know. Show me you know. I believe that God is often looking at us and saying, quit telling me you know and show me you know. Live it. Speak it. Share it.
That's growth. We need to recognize that the seed is first and foremost the gospel, and it is good news. But also, it is the message of salvation. Not just all of Scripture, and it's this book, and it's true, and it's wonderful, but it is the message of salvation, which is great news, not just good news. Because it has the ability to save from sin, to rescue us from an eternity in hell. It has the ability to change lives. One of the things I've been weeping over lately is just hearing the Lord ask me if I really believe that the gospel can change people's lives. Now, the easy answer is, well, of course I do. So if I do, then why am I so hesitant to show it and share it with other people? Outside this building. I'm not talking about every time you meet somebody presenting the whole gospel to them. I'm talking about living it out in such a way that it makes them hungry to hear. Listening and praying to be sensitive to opportunities that are presented so that we can start speaking Jesus so that others hear, so that others are attracted to and respond to the good news. The sower is Christ, but we're to follow, which means we're to be sowers also. The good news is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the word of God. It's the seed, the message of salvation available to all. And third, the soil. So what is the soil? Now we can figure that out in farming. I mean, it's the dirt. It's where the seed gets thrown, no longer thrown. Now it gets thrust into the ground, planted deep enough that has been studied and scientifically the optimal depth so that it can take hold in the right circumstances in the right soil and grow and produce. That's the soil. But what is it in this passage? The soil is the heart and mind of anyone to whom the word is shared. In other words, it's anyone exposed to the gospel. Anyone exposed to the gospel, whether they receive it, accept it, or believe it or not. But they're the soil, and we're to spread the word. We're to sow the seed in the soil wherever we find soil. Now I want you to take a look and it says that some of it fell on the, the path. Not in our day, it would be a, a street or a sidewalk. It's where the traffic happened. This case, it was just a path that people walked on, which meant nothing was growing there because it had been beaten down and the ground had become so hard, nothing just tossed on it was going to take root. It couldn't get through. Because seed laying on dirt won't do anything. It has to be in the soil. However, the one sowing doesn't need to determine if it is good soil, but rather sharing it wherever we are. 
Because what might not receive it today might receive it tomorrow or the next week or next year or next decade. But we haven't been told to not share it on that hard ground. And it talks about rocky soil. It means that there's some dirt there, but there are a lot of rocks. Which means it, it could take hold, but because of the rocks underneath the dirt, it might not be able to go deep enough to really take root and grow and therefore produce. But it might shoot up quickly. The problem is any opposition or struggle that comes, it's gone. You've seen people like that, right? They were hungry for it. They heard it. They believed it. And the next day or day after that, something came up and it was gone. They didn't allow it to penetrate and to grow. And then it talks about the thorny soil. The soil is okay. The problem is there's just enough weeds and other junk in there that as they both grew, the weeds choked out the good growth. So there was some growth. There was even some root, though not as good as it should have been, but it got choked out on top. And then it talks about the good soil that received it that took root and then grew and it multiplied. Verse 8, other seeds fell into good soil, produced grain growing up and increasing and yielding 30, 60, or 100 fold. I think most farmers would take that. See, we've been promised that if we'll sow the seed, you know what isn't illustrated in this? Is the heart of the sower. See, when Jesus sowed, he cared about those on whom the seed fell. How often do we really care about those we're tossing the seed to? Or are we just doing it to fulfill our duty? See, a farmer will tell you if you prepare the soil, it's more likely to receive the seed. And for us in relationships, preparing that soil is relationship. That's why we started with connection the last two weeks. Preparing it. And when it's prepared, it's more likely to receive and grow and then produce beyond what we could imagine. But we can't escape this, that there's a struggle or there's opposition to the seed. Talk to any farmer, and one of the things they'll say is, I can't control the weather. I can prepare, I can plan, I can study and have the optimal time and the right temperature and the right, all the circumstances they can control to do it. But they don't get to control how much it rains, how often, where, when. There is a struggle. And it's still true as we spread the good news. You see, the struggle or the opposition is anyone or anything that hinders 
the reception or acceptance of the word. Sometimes it's simply distractions that hinder somebody. Someone or something distracts them and they don't receive. They don't grow. They don't allow it to take root. And sometimes this struggle or this opposition is internal inside of us. And sometimes it's external, other people and circumstances. Sometimes the struggle is in ourselves. We don't believe that the good news is really for us. We need to realize that about ourselves and others we're sharing with. Because part of it, we just need to keep pounding the fact that Jesus loves you. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave. We need to let people know that they're loved by the God who created them. And sometimes that struggle and opposition is external. Sometimes nothing more than a distraction is sometimes somebody outright saying it's not true, doesn't apply to you, or temptation from the outside. But here's what we have to understand. We know from this passage, and we especially know from the totality of Jesus' teaching, that there is an expectation on those who follow Christ, an expectation of growth, personally and corporately. You see, in our acceptance of the word and in our obedience of the word, there should be growth. Too many people have accepted Christ as their Savior, and that happened 25 years ago, but they don't have 25 years of growth. They have one experience multiplied 25 times. And there's a big difference. It's great to celebrate birthdays and anniversaries. The question is, are we also celebrating your growth? Oh, not just physically, I guarantee you on that day when the tux didn't fit, my mom was not celebrating my growth one bit. For you see, it's not the remembrance, it's the living it out that matters. And here's the hard truth about this. There is absolutely no defense for someone who claims to be a follower of Christ not growing. There's no defense for it. The Word gives us what we need. The Holy Spirit is here to guide us, empower us, convict us when needed. We Bump into others and we call it a church or a congregation and we should be motivating one another, not depressing one another. And as we bump into each other and bump into some more and all of us are sharing, there should be growth in us and in the number of other people who are starting to bump into us because of the gospel. Let me ask you this morning, how is your growth?
personally. Your relationship with Jesus Christ. My prayer list that I have on my phone. My family is first in all that. And my prayer for each one of my family that's on there is first of all their relationship with Jesus Christ. I pray for each one of them that know Jesus, that they keep growing in Christ. And for those who I am not aware has accepted him, I'm praying that they will. But the Lord convicted me some time ago that I was not praying for the growing relationship of those on my list. You see, there's a responsibility to spread the word. And there's a responsibility to cultivate once we've spread it. To help it grow in the lives of others. So in this story, are you a sower? Are you sharing the good news? Are you the soil? Which kind are you? Hard, rocky, full of other stuff, or receptive so that it can grow? Or are you part of the struggle for others or yourself? We've been called to be a part of the growing story of the good great news of the salvation available through Jesus Christ. Where are you in this parable? And do you need to change positions? Are you growing? If not, why not? If not, why not now? Jesus, this morning, I just ask that your Holy Spirit speak where my words have failed. Fill in the blanks of our hearts so that we know what you desire. Lord, if we're being in opposition to ourselves or others, may we recognize it and confess it and repent of it. Lord, if we're not sowing, if we can't say that we're participating in that way, may we repent of it and start to share. Lord, help us to take a measurement to see if we're growing. And if we're not, to repent of that and to take the steps to start growing. And Lord, help us all as we seek to grow and grow in our own relationship, to bump into each other, to encourage one another as we spread the good news so that this body grows and everybody 
where the word is being preached and shared, that they would grow until the whole world knows. Lord, we are in this part of the world. We get a chance to influence through giving and other things, other parts. But Lord, this is where we are. Show us what we need to do to see your kingdom grow. In Jesus' name, amen.